Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to another great episode of Reconsider, part of the Agora Podcast Network, where we don't do the thinking for you. Today, we are actually really thrilled. We've been we've been trying to schedule this one for a long time to welcome Sheriff Leon Lott of Richland County to talk with us uh, actually about the Police to Peace program, which we talked about with Lisa Broderick a few episodes ago. And Sheriff Lott leads one of the largest sheriff's departments in the Southeast U.S., and obviously, we're going to be talking about how he's implementing Police to Peace today. Before we get started, I just want to introduce him real quick. So often referred to as America's law enforcement agency, the near 1,000-employee Richard, Richard County Sheriff's Department, uh, which we're going to call the RCSD. It's one of the regularly featured law enforcement agencies on Live PD, which is part of a television series. Um, and it's the only one that's been with the program since it aired in October 2016. Sheriff Law is a 43-year career law enforcement officer who served with the RCSD for more than 20 years. Uh, he's been recognized as one of the most creatively innovative bridge-building law enforcement leaders in the nation, even internationally. In 2010, Lot traveled to Erbil, Iraq, at the invitation of the Iraqi government to help Iraq establish its first-ever female police academy. RCSD continues a strong relationship and an officer exchange program with Iraq, as it does with other foreign law enforcement agencies as well as U.S. military forces domestically. Under Lott's leadership, RCSD was the first law enforcement agency in the nation to establish a pre-PTSD conditioning program for deputies and other officers. Training is mandatory for all RCSD deputies. Um, Sheriff Lott also commands the South Carolina State Guard at the rank of Brigadier General. Sheriff Lott is obviously a very busy man. We are very lucky to have him on the show. Sheriff Lott, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. Well, thank you. I appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity to talk to you today. So for folks who haven't listened to our prior episode with Lisa Broderick, we recorded this back in November and we talk a little bit about the Police to Peace program. But maybe first, just so folks can become a little bit familiar with you, Sheriff Lott, and the Richland uh, County's Police Department, what makes Richland County unique? You're obviously implementing a lot of innovative programs. Is, Is the thousand employee size of the department on the large side? What makes Richland County, Richland County? Well, I think the fact that we partner with all the different diverse communities we have in Richland County. We understand it's uh, our job to reach out to these communities instead of them reaching out to us. So we need to build relationships and partnerships with them. And in turn, by doing that, we prevent crime. And then if crime happens, then we're able to 
to, to solve it. You know, our job is not just to put people in jail. Our job is to build relationships and hopefully prevent as much crime as we can. And to that end, you know, obviously when we all briefly introduced the peace officer concept that uh, we talked about with Lisa, and obviously part of what we want to do today is, is understand how that experience has been going for you. So the peace officer program has been trialed in a few places and, and the, you know, the very short TLDR, since we've got a whole episode on it, is that even through something as, as simple as a name change from police officer to peace officer or adding a peace officer in the case of the RCSD, my, my, uh, my understanding is that we've added a peace officer to the title of deputy sheriff peace officer is that through, through a fairly simple change, attitudes on both sides, you know, both the, the police themselves and the citizens that they're serving can change and improve in meaningful ways to allow officers to work together better with the community and be more effective. And, you know, as the, as the first in the nation innovator on this, you know, we're, we're very keen to learn a little bit more from your experience here. So uh, maybe just, we'll just start with a, with it wide open for you about, about learning, learning from you and your perspective, you know, why you decided to make this change, why you decided to innovate in this way and, and take the swing at it. Well, I think we need to change, uh, you know, the public's perception of what uh, we actually do in our profession. And I think sometimes a lot of people think it's just locking people up. That's the only thing that we do. And our job is actually to go out and keep the peace. Sometimes we do have to lock people up. That's part of our job. But it's basically keeping the peace. And you go all the way back to the Bible where, you know, it's described that blessed are the peacemakers, or they call the children of God. So we are yes. peacemakers. And that's what the concept that we've uh, embraced is that, you know, yeah, we're, we're cops. We're going to put people in jail. We're going to put the bad guys in jail. But, you know, let's, we're, we're, you know, we're something else, too. And that's what this peace officer concept is all about, is having the citizens look at us in, in maybe a different way and just having those two words on our patrol cars. And now we're going to have them on our uniforms. We'll still have deputy sheriff. We're going to be identified as a deputy sheriff, but we'll also have peace officer underneath it. and. Just when people see that, it just they, they get a different view and a different attitude toward what we're doing and what our job is really about. So from our prior conversation with Lisa Broderick, we do know from reviewing some of the metrics that she talked about and that some of the research agencies that she's hired to review those results have talked about that perceptions do change with the introduction of these words, peace officers. I'm curious, from the Richland County Sheriff's Department perspective, could you offer some stories on things that you've witnessed? So instead of you know just the name peace officer, you talk about keeping the peace more broadly within the community. What are some examples of that? Well, just reaching out and to different aspects of our community, from our senior citizens to our, our young people, and, and talking with them and, and meeting with them and listening to them. You know, I think sometimes in law enforcement, we think we have all the answers, and we really don't. We need to listen to our community. So hearing stories about our deputies going to community meetings or dropping into the school or one of our assisted living facilities and just walking around and talking with the people. And and we have Camaros. Our community action team has Camaros, which is, you know, draws people's attention, but then they see that peace officer symbol on the car and then they'll start a conversation. So just those two words can start a conversation and from a conversation, a relationship built. So I hear positive comments whenever I'm in the community about 
people saying, hey, you got something different on your car. They noticed it. They notice it because it is different. It's unique. And there's a lot, just lots of positive comments about it. I mean, that's uh, that that's great to hear. It's it's you know, it's funny. I, I maybe in in, you know, maybe in studying politics for so long, I've off I've I've become myself a little bit uh, jaded or cynical at times that, you know, I think when we when we're typically looking at when we're typically looking at something like uh, a naming change in a, you know, from coming, coming from a governmental body, right? So like, so often our elected representatives, you know, we see something like a certain bill has the, you know, has the, the CARE Act or the Freedom Act or the Patriot Act or something like that. And, you know, my initial guess had been that a lot of Americans will look at something and go, ah, it's just, you know, this is, this is just the flavor of the week. This is just branding nothing's really different. And, and even just hearing that there's a, that there's a positive response initially, even to just the name changes is really heartening. And one of the things I'm, I'm now curious about is, you know, you mentioned this, you mentioned this broader community outreach program. And one of the things maybe that help our listeners a little bit is understanding when the RCSD decided to make the, the change to putting, you know, peace officer on their patrol vehicles, you know, to get the positive results that you're seeing so far. Did the did the department decide that, hey, along with this change to putting peace officer on the patrol car, along with this change, we're going to get more involved and get more active and spend more of our time in community outreach? Or were you are you spending about the same time or the same investment on community outreach that you were before? And with the change, you know, with the name change on the, on the vehicle, are you just seeing better results and more receptiveness than you used to, or, or maybe both? Well, we already had a big investment and we just continued that investment and putting peace officer just adds to what we've already been doing. I think that reinforces to the community that, you know, they really do care about us. It's just not a job to them. They, they really want to be out here as a peace officer and keeping the peace in our community. So it's, it was just a, an add-on, a continuation of what we've already been doing because mm-hmm. that's something that we started some 24 years ago is that you know, we're going to make a concentrated effort to reach out to everybody in our community and, and let's build that relationship. So that just it, this was a, a positive add-on to what we've already been doing. So what metrics is Richland County using to evaluate the success of this program in terms of how perception is changing? Well, the official metrics are done by police uh, to peace. They've sent the uh, official people to come in and do the surveys. What I gauge it on is just by being out in the community and listening to people and hearing uh, feedback from them and emails or a telephone call or just seeing somebody and saying, hey, I like what's on your car. Uh, I like what Mm -hmm. y'all are doing. I like the new concept. So I hear it personally, and the official ones are done by police to peace, and the metric that they've got has been very positive. Yeah. And have you, and, and I'm wondering what, um, you know, with this better, with this higher level of engagement, presumably higher level of, of like trust with the community, have you guys seen, or are you anticipating and seeing changes to more, more kind of top line metrics around, for example, your ability to prevent crime, your ability to uh, receive information, you know, about crimes that have that have occurred in order to, you know, in order to better solve them, better, you know, higher levels of, 
you know, high levels of, of cooperation or, or training or, or uh, you know, even education for the community as a whole to, you know, to, to uh, you know, help guide more, uh, you know, particularly young people towards, you know, towards alternatives in their lives, you know, that obviously don't include being involved in, you know, in crime in the area, et cetera. Have you guys, see, you know, has, have you guys seen an, an impact on, on this top line or is this something that you, that you're sort of anticipating shaking out in time? Our measurement of success has always been a prevention of crime, not the number of arrests that we make. Mm. It's prevention of crime. So we've always focused on that, and, and this helps that. When you have a great relationship with the community, then they're going to trust you. They're going to work with you to prevent crime uh, as a partner. But then again, if something does happen, then they're going to tell. They're going to give us the information. So what we've seen is just, just adds to what we've already been doing, and which produce, uh, produces um, Less crime, better clearance rates when you do have a crime, but also just the, the, the feeling of security and the feeling of safety and that absence of fear. Uh, that, that To me, that's the measurement of success, not the number of arrests that you make. Yes, that's, that's, that's actually, that's a really great point. And, you know, I, to tap onto that, to, to tap a little bit onto that sense of, of fear versus trust, you know, from your perspective, you know, what do you think is the, you know, and, and maybe, maybe this is, this, this question is really for our listeners who are, you know, cause I think we have a lot of listeners that are, you know, more involved than the average citizen in their local communities and their local governments um, that have the opportunity to be advocates that have the opportunity to, you know, to, to improve the, improve how police and their citizenry work together. You know, what do you believe is, you know, you guys have, have been working on this for 24 years, which is probably longer than almost any department in, in the country, uh, you know, on, on working on on prevention and, and better relationships rather than just uh, rather than just arrests. You know, what do you see for both in, in Rich, Richmond County and, and other places where you've, you know, you've obviously been been a, been helping quite a bit? What do you see as the biggest driver of fear and mistrust? between citizens and, and police officers that, you know, that the changes that you've made are, are, are working to improve? Not knowing each other. You can't have a relationship with someone if you don't know them, and you can't build trust if you don't know them. So getting to know each other by going to community meetings, going to a school, going to a church, you've got to get out of your car and, and have that one-on-one -on -one personal contact with people. And you have to make a concentrated effort to do that. Um, the officers have to know that they have that ability to do that and that's part of their job. A very small part of our job is actually making an arrest. So what do you do with the other 80% of your time? Well, you can go out and you can build relationships. It's meeting and talking with people and listening to people. So you have, you have to dedicate um, that energy to doing that and it's just not going to happen on its own. You have to actually go out and do that. And that's what we've been doing for so many years. And I think that has a lot to do with our success that we have. Uh, also has a lot to do with, you know, the relationship we've been able to build so that we have that trust. I think we have probably one of the most trusting communities and respectful communities of law enforcement anywhere because of the relationships that we've built over these years. You don't build a relationship when a crisis goes on. That's too late. That's not going to work. Mm. You have to have that established long before that crisis ever happens. And then when you have that, then that can 
mitigate that crisis where it doesn't become an overwhelming crisis. Yeah. So when you have police officers, um, peace officers reaching out to the community and going to these events, what sorts of thoughts are being aired by the community, by the citizens in Richland County? What are they hoping to hear more from, from their police department? What are they hoping to achieve? What are they hoping that their police officers that are protecting the community achieve before any of those crises break out? What, what does the community want more than anything? They want to see them. They want, they want high visibility. They, they want to see them and not just hear that they're around. They want to see them. And another thing that we've done is we run our blue lights on constantly in our cars. And I don't mean that when they flash in, uh, there's a constant blue light. So you have that high visibility, particularly at night. Huh. And so when you see cars riding through a neighborhood, it's just not car lights. You actually see a blue light on a car and know that oh, our deputy sheriff is in our community. So people want to know and feel safe, and they do when they see police officers, when they see that patrol car riding through their neighborhood or a business community. So that, that high visibility helps. Uh, and, and that's what you know, everybody wants to feel safe. So you want to know that the, the cops that you're paying for your taxes for, that they're there. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned those. Well, maybe it's not funny, but it's interesting. You mentioned those blue lights. And one of the first things I thought of was, you know, I went to school in, in Cambridge, Mass. And I remember you know, walking around, seeing these poles with a blue light at the top, right? And, you know, they're becoming a little bit, they're becoming a little bit uh, obsolete at this point, but they were, you know, they were call boxes for help, right? That you could just, you could zip over to that pole, you could, you could pick it up and you'd presumably, you know, I never used it, but presumably you'd be connected to emergency services right away. And just thinking about that, you know, and seeing those blue lights off in the off in the distance, you knew what it was, right? You knew it was there, and the, you know, with the the blue lights kind of moving down your street through your through your neighborhood, you know, you get to you get you get the same thing. Like you know that that oh, this person's here. Like not only are they they looking over me, but I can you know if I've got a problem, I can run out there right now. And when I think what's what's really interesting, what what I what I think is so powerful about this is that is that if the you know your your team obviously has a very powerful mindset around prevention and help and service and and relationships that that you know obviously I work in the private sector rather than the public sector but I think that there's a lot of leadership you know sort of sort of leadership lessons here that 
as long as the right mindset's in place, these very small changes or seemingly small changes can have a big impact on how, you know, on, on the message that people are getting in their hearts and, and how they want to respond. And I'm, I'm, I like the blue lights thing so much and had no idea it was coming. What other, you know, again, even maybe for, for other departments who may indirectly be listening, what other kind of like small changes or, or details as part of your outreach, you know, peace officer, blue lights, et cetera, what other, what other details do you think have kind of made an impact or contributed to that, you know, that broader reinforcement of the messaging that we're here, we're here to help, we're here to work with you, et cetera? Getting out of your car. You can't build a relationship going 45 miles an hour down the road, so you have to get out of your car. Yeah. And actually go meet and talk with people. If you're in a neighborhood, just walk down the street, talk to the kids that are out playing, talk to people on the porch, people walking. Uh, just get out and talk with them. Uh, that, that's the simplest thing that you can do, and that will have great results. And, and that word will spread because that person that you get out and you talk with and just listen to, they're going to tell their family, they're going to tell their coworkers, they're going to tell people they go to church with, they're going to spread that message. Hey, Deputy Sheriff So-and-so, I know him. He stopped and he talked to me or she talked to me and, you know, we, we had a good conversation. And that just spreads that message. So every citizen you talk to then becomes a messenger of what you're out there doing. And that's talking, listening and building a relationship. So I think probably some of our listeners will be uh, they'll be curious to hear that we're talking about this initiative right now in the midst of what is uh, really a global story, of course, which is the coronavirus outbreak. And it's affecting different parts of the world and different parts of the country uh, considerably. Eric and I are both based in California, although we've lived in different places. He's in uh, San Francisco area. I'm in the LA area. How is South Carolina doing right now? How is the Richland County Sheriff's Department managing the coronavirus outbreak? And what are some of the greatest challenges that you're running into as a law enforcement agency in the midst of, uh, if it's not an unprecedented crisis, it's at least been you know unprecedented for the last hundred years or so. What can folks do to help? Well, I'm going to tie it into what we're talking about with police, uh, peace officers. You know, we're not looking, being looked at right now to just go out and lock people up. We're, we're, we're keeping the peace. We've got officers at schools where they're handing food out. We're not there to lock anybody up. We're just there to assist people getting food and making sure kids get, get fed because people are not able to work right now or go out shopping. So we're dealing with challenges that uh, we've never faced as um, in our profession before. So that peace also, I think, plays a huge part in it and that we're out there keeping the peace. And we do that in various ways, getting people to follow in the recommendations that our government's given us about you know, socializing and keeping distance and stuff. So you, you don't want to criminalize someone for you know, talking to someone, but you, you might want to get a group and just say, hey, have you thought about it? you might be spreading the virus? And I think what we're doing now really speaks volumes about what a peace officer is really supposed to do. Now, we're going to lock bad guys up. We're not going to let the criminals take advantage of this situation. I think our thin blue line needs to be stronger now than, than ever before. People want to feel safe. They're scared right now of the virus. The last thing they need to be scared about is crime. And we all know criminals are not going to take a vacation during this crisis. They're going to be at full force. So law enforcement is, the, is, is are your soldiers on the front line. They're the ones right now that are fighting the battle. Got a lot of support behind the scenes and in the background, but the, the soldiers in the trenches right now are, just, are your 
the police officers, your peace officers, the deputy sheriffs, we're all out there now. And what we're doing in Richland County is we're sending a strong message. We have lots of visibility. All of our officers who uh, normally would be doing other jobs are now working the road, and that's from you know, command staff to school resource officers, courthouse personnel. It's all hands on deck. Everybody's out making sure lots of visibility and that the bad guys know that you know, you're not going to take advantage of this situation. Yes. Now, another uh, cohort that a lot of people have have noticed are really in the trenches right now in the midst of this pandemic are healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, and clearly lots of other folks, too, that are keeping these right. really mandatory administrations working. What's What do you think the most useful way for peace and police officers to support the healthcare initiatives that are going on in different parts of the country? Well, you know, they're getting the people when they're in a medical emergency. We're dealing with those who are in medical emergencies that we respond to, but we're also responding to the bad guys. So we, we have two two fronts we're fighting. That's the medical issue, but also the criminal issue. Um, we support all the public safety works together. Our medical field, we're supporting them and making sure that they're protected while they're doing their job, that they're not worried about their homes being broken into or their families are being robbed, uh, that they can go to whatever medical facility they need to be at and do their job and not worry about anything else except for doing their job at that point. And that's caring for those who are who have the virus. Uh, so we're supporting them by us going out and keeping the peace. We're supporting the medical uh, profession. Actually, I thought of a, I thought of a question in the middle of this as you were sharing just really the un the unmitigated and you know and, and seemingly just very obvious and very desirable positive impact that you're making and that you're getting for your you know your peace officer force you know having having made the changes that you've made over the past 24 years and so my you know my initial thought is that and and again I work I working in the private sector I I know well enough that people won't you know people won't implement a good idea for a lot of reasons but it essentially sounds like this is a really good idea and it sounds like the kind of thing that that you know every force in the in the country should be you know should be seriously working on making a pivot to and what I'm wondering is you know from from your perspective you know having been so successful and also helped so many other forces domestically and internationally, what do you think is, you know, what do you think is the biggest barrier for them or the, the constraint or the roadblock for them adopting some of your practices, including getting out of the car, including increasing presence, increased engagement and, and adopting the, the peace officer addition to their, you know, to their title? Their attitude that that's not our job, that our job is only to go out here and lock up bad guys. And we've seen that that's failed. We've had that attitude for many, many years, and it continues to fail agencies and continues to fail communities. Um, so attitudes have got to be changed. Um, you know, some people want to describe what we do as hugging a thug. It's definitely not hugging a thug. If a thug's out there and he deserves to be locked up, we're going to lock him up. But we're also going to hug those who need a hug that we can help out. Uh, so you have different mindsets and law enforcement leaders who doesn't feel like that we should be doing this, that, you know, I'm going to get more publicity by going out here and, and just locking people up and don't worry about anything else. And I guess my philosophy has been a little bit different. Um, I've been part of the old 
philosophy many, many years ago when I started where I thought all we could do had to do was lock people up and that would solve a problem. That we haven't locked our way out of any problem that we've ever had in America and we're not gonna lock our way out of it. But we can do a lot of other things that impact problems that we've got in America. And and we do that by building relationships and working together. That's how we're going to get out of this crisis that we've got right now. Yes. Is by, you know, everybody in America coming together, doing what we're supposed to do and support each other. You know, of course, not not ever having worked in the law enforcement industry. I was I was thinking of a lot of potential objections, but the hugging a thug pejorative objection was not the one I was I was anticipating. And, you know, and it sounds like to some extent there's an opportunity for some of our like citizen listeners to lead a bit here. And again, I know a lot of them like to get involved in their local communities, which like, you know, that level of involvement is, is hopefully going to go up, you know, go back up after, after we're all allowed to, you know, where it's safe for us to, to congregate a little bit more. But, you know, if any of our listeners are listening to your, your philosophy here and your perspective, your results, and they're thinking, hey, this is something that, this is something I'd like to bring up to my own, you know, local governance and leadership. You know, I, I know that the, the halls of government can be difficult to penetrate and it can, it can be hard to, you know, to feel like you can be influential other than with your vote. Do you have any advice for, you know, do you have any advice for someone like Mir Zander in our own community about how we could approach either our elected representatives or, or a mayor or someone else? To say, hey, you know, I think this could could be really powerful, and we should have a conversation. Yeah, your listeners should always remember that they're the employers. That law enforcement, government officials work for the people, and so people do have a big influence when there's strength in numbers. One person may not be able to convince somebody to change something, but the community can stand together and say, "Look, this is what we want our law enforcement agency to do." Yeah, And, and. that agency should be listening to the community because that's who they, they work for and that's who they serve. Sometimes law enforcement agencies forget that, but sometimes they have to be reminded by the people that they're serving, and that's the community. So a community's voice can be loud and can be heard, but it's got uh, to be done together. It's got to be a strength in, in, in numbers. So if that's what a community wants to do, then they should go to their officials and say, look, this is what we want. This is what we want our law enforcement agency to do. This is what we want them to get out and start doing and and keep pushing it. And don't take no for an answer mm. first time. Just continue to do it and continue to push. I love it. Yeah. And I assume that I, I know Xander, I, I bet you, I, I, I think on my notes here, I can see what question you want to ask, but I assume that the folks at police to peace and it's, it's with the number two. So police number two peace.com. I know that you've been working very closely with them to get some of the numbers on the on the results here. And and for those of us who are, you know, who are listening and, and inspired to take action in our own communities here, you know, I, I, I suspect that that police to peace is a is a great resource to be able to help you, dear listener, in in your own advocacy around what's been successful, what are the you know, what are the numbers look like, what are the what have the results looked like so that you know, elected officials who, who, you know, are held accountable to getting these kinds of results, you know, that, you know, you can have a more productive conversation, conversation with them. Well, let me, let me respond. And I guess I would ask an agency, why not do it? What do you have to lose by doing it? Mm. So um, that would be the question I would ask is why not do it? What is there to prevent you from doing it? 
and do you think if you if you ask that question to uh you know to appear like a, a fellow fellow sheriff or a fellow chief of police do you think they'd have an initial response to well here's what i'm going to lose here's here's the thing i'm afraid of i know you mentioned the pejorative of of hug a thug is there is there anything that when they get asked what do you have to lose that they might respond with that that a citizen or a or a um, advocate should be prepared for I really don't know. I, I don't know what the answer could be. I think if you mm-hmm. ask someone that, you're going to get a blank stare because there's really no, uh, not a legitimate reason to say not to do it. You know, if your agency has built a reputation of being fair and honest and going out and doing everything they're supposed to do, that includes locking up bad guys when they commit a crime. So if you develop that relationship, then your community is going to know, okay, if somebody commits a crime, they're going to go get them. They're going to get them but they're also going to do as much as they can to prevent a crime. So really, I don't know an answer or reason, probably maybe a few excuses, but I don't think there's a legitimate reason where somebody can say, you know, this is why we're not going to do it. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm curious, this is, is a bit on a, another topic, but you went to Erbil, Iraq in 2010 to help open up the first female police academy there in the country. And uh, listeners to our show know that we've covered different sorts of Kurdish issues in the past. Probably more recently, Syrian Kurds, uh, as it relates to some of the issues going on in Syria and Turkey right now. But I'd be curious to hear, what did you learn from your trip to Erbil, which for, for listeners is in Iraqi Kurdistan? And how are the perceptions of women police officers there in Iraqi Kurdistan different than in other parts of Iraq? Well, I think what we saw is that we can make a difference and make a change. When we went there correcting a female police officer, by touching her was almost, uh, it was not going to happen. When we left, they were doing that. They were correcting them and showing them uh, different techniques and procedures that they needed to use. And, and seeing a police officer from America that was successful and that I brought a female captain and how she was able to talk to them, I think we were able to change the minds of not only the female officers, but also those in charge of that police academy. And we've seen a tremendous difference. Um, uh, we saw that when they came over and visited. One of the female lieutenants that we met there that was part of their academy that led the police, um, the female police officers, um, she came. She traveled to America and, and visited us. And her father allowed her to do that because he had met me. That's a little bit different culture, but the fact that he had met me uh, while I was there, then he gave her approval to, to come to America and see what we were doing here. I think we, we saw a tremendous change and that the police officer was looked at not as a female police officer, but as a police officer, period. So th- that was a change that we were able to, to make there. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm struggling only because I am just so impressed that, that you've, you have, you, you've just been this like tornado of change and innovation uh, kind of all over the place. And I, I'm, uh, you know, almost I'm almost flabbergasted at, at 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 some of the ways you've been able to help. And I, I think before we before we wrap, you know, I know we've we've we had some of our own questions ready for you. You know, regarding follow up to a, a previous show we did a little bit about um, COVID nineteen and how you're responding about your work overseas. Is there anything else? You know, know, knowing that we've got a you know pretty like highly highly politically engaged, actually international audience of folks that that really care about their, 
you know, duties as as citizens in these you know democratic you know democratic societies. Do you have anything that you want to share or add uh, before we part? Well, that the world has gotten smaller. What goes on in Iraq, you know, can impact us. What goes on here, what goes on in Germany, impacts us. What we do here can impact other countries. Years ago, not so much, but today it does impact. With social media and the internet, uh, what happens in another country you know, will impact us very quickly because word gets out so much faster. So I think we need to focus on positive stuff that we can do together as, you know, not just one nation, but as a world. And we're seeing that with this crisis we're doing now with Corona crisis. It's not America's crisis. It's not China's crisis. It's the world crisis. So the different governments need to work together to address this problem worldwide and not just um, not just locally, but it needs to be addressed worldwide. And, and, and we can do that. I think everybody can do that. And we're seeing that. Probably with this crisis now, because this is something brand new that none of us has had to ever deal with before and probably never thought we would, but now we are dealing with it. Well, for listeners who are interested in learning more about some of the Richland County Sheriff's Department innovative programs, you can check them out at rcsd.net. That's their website. Or on Facebook, you can go to Richland County Sheriff's Department. So it's just Facebook slash, and then that's the name of the group. Uh, Sheriff Lott, thanks so much for joining us today on Reconsider and talking to us a little bit about what you have going on in Richland County. All right. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. Yeah, really, really inspiring stuff. Thanks so much for sharing this with our listeners. You know, thanks so much for everything you do. And, you know, good luck out there. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.